What a blessing. What a praise. What a beautiful bunch of people I'm in front of. All right. Well, we're focusing in on David's life, and because we're focusing in on David's life, we've skipped a lot of passages. Um, We've skipped a lot of the warfare passages. They're important as you read your scriptures and work through the history and through what God is doing, but they're not important for the sermon series. So just keep that in mind. You go ahead and read that on your own. I hope you do. But it's been enough for us to say that David has spent his whole life in, um, in war and um, he's a fighter. And today we're looking at one of those, an event that took place during one of those, um, those, those war campaigns. David has what he calls David's 30. They're his elite warriors. They're mighty men. They're the ones who are closest to David. They're the ones that have always got his back. Many of them have been with him since before he became king. They're his best fighters, the most loyal. These are the ones you want with him through it all. One of these men, actually, one of the names will actually stand out to you because we get to meet him a little later. His name is Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. So we get to meet him a little later, but he's one of the best men of David's, his closest allies and companions, which knowing that makes what happens with Uriah a lot more painful. And one time, while out fighting, David gets this craving. We've all been there, right? You got that craving. He's not craving for the piece of cake that some of you are still thinking, I should have picked that up before I came in here. (laughs) He's craving for a drink from the well outside of his hometown. Now, water tastes like water. The mineral content may be a little different, so it may have a little different flavor, but they didn't have... Uh, carbonized water where you got to pick your flavoring like we do today. What he's really wanting is, is, is not, it's, it's not special water. It's a, a reminder from his past. He's longing for something stable, a time where he wasn't fighting and he wasn't always on the move and he wasn't king with all the pressures that took and he wasn't in charge of all these men, and he wants this, I just want a bit of water. Because things always taste better from when things were simpler. And so he's remembering these times, and if I could just have a bit of water from that well, man, that would make me so happy, that would bring me some peace and some calm. And he knows That well actually at the time happens to be through enemy lines. So it's probably not going to happen. But his loyal men who support him and are willing to die for him, they decide that, you know what, if our king, if David wants this water from this well, we're going to go get it. We're going to go get that water. That's some, some friendship there. 
I mean, how many of us in our day and age can say we have friends like that? You might have one, maybe, two, if you're lucky. Most of us can't. Most of you can't say you'd have someone that would go to that. We live in a society that doesn't have those kind of friendships. We all have, you know, a thousand friends on Facebook, but no one actually we can turn to as friendship. That is something... David, and he has 30 men who are willing to die for him. And they, so they break through that, that line and that dedication. They break through that just for some water. And what does David do with it? Well, he, he gets it and he says, mm, that was refreshing. No, he takes it and says, I can't drink this. And he pours it out on the ground. Which our first reaction is like, that's rude. <laughs> well, I went all the way to the store. and We'd be rude if we went to the store and got something and someone poured it on the ground. Like, I went all the way to the market across the street. <laughs> and you pouring it out on the ground, that's rude. But this, what David is doing something is something that's really kind of unique to it, it would not make, it doesn't make sense to us because it's outside of our time period. He's turning this bit of water into a poured out offering to God. Which was a way in which you give a liquid back to God. It would be like we would tithe. Please don't pour your soda pop in our, our tithe box. Um... You want to give your, your, your liquid offering, go do so outside. Not. But um, it would be like tithe. In the Old Testament, there are sacrifices of all kinds. There's animal sacrifices. There's sacrifices of grain. There's sacrifices of liquid. There's even human sacrifices in the form of worship and commitment to God. Think the Levites themselves are a type of sacrifice where they give their, the whole community is given up into the God. Or um, So... There's all these different types of offerings, different types of poured out offerings. Some of the poured out offerings you would drink in fellowship. Think um, what becomes Lord's Supper as we lift the cup to God. It's a type of poured out offering where we share with God the blessing of His land. We share with one another. That's a type of poured out offering. Another type, you would give it all to God and you'd pour it all out. They did this with meat too. Some of the meals you would eat together and some of it you would give it all to them in a whole burnt offering. And so David takes this water and turns this sacrifice into a sacrifice of God's. He's not being rude to these 30 men. He's not being, he's actually honoring these 30 men who have risked their lives for him. He's in turn thanking God, thanking God for the water, thanking God for his life, thanking God for these 30 men who would sacrifice their life so that he may drink. And he's saying, you know what, this is the best. This, because of their sacrifice, this water has become now the best water. It already was in his mind, but now because of their sacrifice, it really is the best water. And he said, the best, God, 
God who is above all the supreme, the master, the true king, he being the best deserves the best. And so because of this amazing sacrifice, I'm going to give God the best. And now this water's the best. I can just have some other water from the tap. God, you deserve the best water. And David makes this little, little water sacrifice. Hard fought, but still just water. And makes it holy, set apart for God. As I think about this passage, and I, I, I think devotionally about the passage, I'm amazed at how David has turned something so simple that we take so much for granted. I mean, you go read the reports, how much we here in the United States waste our water. We, so, we take it so much for granted. And yet David takes something so simple as water and makes it into a holy sacrifice. See, I think sometimes we want a big sacrifice for God, right? That's what we're looking for. We think things like, well, if I had a million dollars, I'd be able to do this for God. If I had two million, I'd be even better. If I had a doctor, if I was a doctor, then I'd have the resources to give blood for God. I'd be able to sacrifice my my time. If I, I'd be able to go on the mission field. If, if I was, uh, you know, had just a little more education, then I'd be able to tell people about Jesus. And we want that big sacrifice from that big place of bigness. But that's not what God is looking at here, is he? He's looking at the little thing. This water. You don't get no more ordinary than water. Two-thirds of our planet is made up of it. Water. I'm looking for that little sacrifice. And God brings this passage. This passage is reserved because it's such a big deal. This little sacrifice that became such a huge deal, this little thing becomes holy, and it's what, it's, it's David's widow might. You know, when that woman who goes and she gives all that she has, David's pouring out all, the, all that hopes and dreams and that memory and that stability, pouring it all out for God. And it's just water. See, God doesn't ask us to, to say, well, if you had more, then you're going to... Because you know what? If you're not faithful in the little times, no matter how much you have, you're not going to be faithful then either. If you don't tell Him now from your experience, if you don't tell people about Christ through the experiences that you have, and from the education place that you are at, in full knowing that you don't know it all, and that they're going to have questions that you can't answer. And you're going to have to say, I don't know. Which always humbles us, right? How many of us like saying, I don't know?
And if you don't say, tell people about Christ from that point, you're not going to do it if you have more education. Because I tell you what, the more educated you get, the more you realize you don't know. I'm always finding out how little I know. If you have more money, if you're not giving from your little, you're not going to give when you have your bunch. If you're not giving your time now, you're not going to give it when you have more vacation or more stress or more. God, it says, I need you to focus in on the little things because he values what he says. He says in Isaiah, I value the heart more than the sacrifice. So when David poured out that water, it was just water. It wasn't special. It was his heart. God, this is the best water, sacrificed water. I'm still going to give it to you because my heart, his heart was on God. And when David's heart is on God, we're going to see amazing things out of David. When his heart gets quite a little off God, we're going to see some, some not so great things come out of David. But I think about that. I think about if we're faithful in the little things. Oh, it may not seem like it now. You may look at your life and say, well, God's not doing anything for me. God's not doing anything through me. God's not doing... But we don't see the big picture like he does. Who knows what impact you may have? I think of people like Billy Graham. I, I, I read a an article on Billy Graham one time and they were uh, and this this author said you know Billy Graham led so many people to Christ and the person I thank God for is the person that led Billy Graham to Christ and what about the person that led that person to Christ you don't know where you fit in in this picture if we're faithful with the little things even through the hard times. The times when it doesn't make sense. And you say, well, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? And God's saying, I am, but, I gotta, well, it may, but you've got to wait. Because there's something else that, that you're not saying. And you can't see. And so we focus not on the, the size of the sacrifice. That's not what we need to focus on. It's not the size of the sacrifice. But the one who the sacrifice is being made to, the Father up in heaven. Because we have to put ourselves in perspective, right? God is God. And we're human. We have to be in humility. I read a, I was, I'm actually working through a book right now and one of the thing, passages that, that struck me uh, from Philip Yance, uh, Yancey was saying, um, he said, it's not that we're sometimes sinners and then God forgives us. It's we're always sinners 
And God always forgives us because we're human and he's God. And we're striving, we're striving to do the best. We're striving to, but we're still human in this broken place. And so it's not about how big the sacrifice and how glorious we can make it and whether we can get our name on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok because we made a sacrifice for God. And but the one who sacrificed for us the one who gave his son to die for us so that we may have life to its fullest. And so we put our focus on him. And we think about that. We, we, we think, I need to be faithful to him with all the little things in my life. And then that big thing, it'll happen or it won't. But I'm faithful in the little things. And so I think about our next steps. As I think about our next steps, I think, well, what can I do with this? I think, well, one, have I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior? That's got to be my first thing. The, the Bible says that if we accepted Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, and we're, we've gone into that commitment, the Holy Spirit comes and makes us home in us, and, and we, baptize, we get baptized as that first commitment of faith, and and. The Holy Spirit living in us, He will make us like living streams, living water flowing out of us. And it flows out of us through all the little sacrifices. Where we're not sacrificing just to God, we're turning ourselves over to God, saying, I want to give you the best. And for some of you, that may mean, I'm, you know, I need to. To, to, for some of you, that may mean I need to give you a portion of my day. I want to give you that part of my day where I'm alert and awake. For some of you, it means I don't want to read my Bible because you're not doing that right now. Some of you are not doing that right now. And, uh, and it's going to be the best part of the day. She said, well, you know, some, some of you, that's the first thing in the morning. That's when you're the sharpest. That's when you're able to focus. And so you're going to read your Bible then and you're going to spend time in prayer. For some of you, that is not a good time of day to read your Bible. You haven't had your coffee yet, and you're grumpy, and you're not going to be able to hear God no matter what he says. So maybe in the evening is better for you, because that's when you're alert and you're awake. And, you're, and some of you, it's in the afternoon. Some of you, it's in the middle of the night, because that's when you're most awake, is the middle of the night. And that's okay, too. Because you're saying, you know what, I'm going to take a portion of my day, I'm going to give it to God. Say, well, let's be scripture reading or, or I'm going to be spending time in prayer and meditation. Times in prayer where I'm asking for God. Sometimes in time where I'm meditating for God. And sometimes in prayer when I, where I'm, I'm leaning on God and pouring my heart out to Him and those groanings in my heart. That And for some of you, giving the little, little sacrifices. Some of you, you, you're doing that and you say, well, I need to, you know, like, I know there's something in my heart that God has called me to do, and I keep saying someone else should do it, right? That thing that someone should do. I'm always amazed at how many of us are like, well, someone needs to do something. The church needs to do something. And God is like, that's, that's exactly right. Go ahead. It's on your heart for a reason. Sacrifice that moment and, and go do it. Gather the people together that I've already called to help you with this. And, 
And, and for some of you, that's where you're at. For some of you, you've grown stagnant. Stagnant is, is means, think about stagnant water, right? It's where disease happens, mosquitoes grow. Or it's, it's where stagnant water is unhealthy, leads to death. Living water brings life. And Jesus brings living water. Living water is what? The difference between stagnant water and living water is it's moving. In movement. And it's okay to rest when God says rest, but we're in movement in rest. That's an active rest. And it's okay. And then we need to move. And some of you have gone stagnant. That's your next step is you've gone stagnant and you need to get moving. Whatever that looks like. Wherever that looks like. Stagnant in your prayer life. Because you're praying the same prayer every day. And you're not really even feeling it anymore. You're just saying the same prayer. Going through that list, right? You got that list. That passage that you've been, read, you've been reading your Bible for the same way for 1,700 years. And, uh, okay, that's hyperbole. You've gone stagnant. You don't, you're not feeling God anymore. You're not hearing God, so you need to read it a different way. You focus in on a different passage, or, or that's where you're at. So as we go into this time of invitation, we go into this time of, uh, of, um, of Lord's Supper, Praise be to God, the God Almighty. Now, we're focusing in on David's life, so we've skipped a lot of passages in the book of Samuels because those are war passages. They're not passages that really apply to the sermon series. That doesn't mean they're not important, and I hope you're reading on your own and you have read the book of Samuels, such great passages that make you question your head and unexplain the Bible, but they don't apply to this. All we need to say for the purpose of David's life is that he's been at war all his career. That's what we, he's been at war all his career. And so we have this moment today where during one of those battles, then the Samuels, it takes place as an appendices at the end of Samuel, and Chronicles, it takes place earlier. We have this event that takes place during one of those battles where David has 30 men who are his right-hand men. These are the people, many of them have been with him since he was in wandering in the wilderness where he had been chased out of the area. He's got, these, these are the closest, best fighters for David. They're the most loyal. They're the ones that will protect him through thick and thin. They're the ones that will support him. 
One of those is including a name that we're going to get to know a little later in our sermon series. That's Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. And so some of you know the story of Bathsheba. So what happens to Uriah later on, knowing that he was one of the 30 men, the closest men to David, makes what happens even sadder. Now, while David is out fighting with his 30 men and his whole army is there, David gets a craving. How many of you guys know that, that craving? Now, his craving was not for that piece of pie that you thought, I should have grabbed that before I came in here. No, this craving was for a bit of water from a well outside of his hometown. That, in his mind... It was the best water in the world. Because what he's doing is he's doing something we all do. We associate a simpler time, a time when things weren't so hard, when he didn't have all the pressures of life. He wasn't the king. He wasn't at war. He wasn't dealing with all this. When he was just a shepherd at the bottom of the pile, and his biggest responsibility was making sure the wolves and the bears and the, the, the lions and the bears didn't get his flock. And so he's, when he says, I want that water from the, it's just water. Water tastes, you know what water tastes like? Water. And it might have a little different mineral context from one area, a little different mineral context from this other, so it might have a little different flavoring. But it's not like they had carbonated water like we do. You go down the store, you buy, you pick out your flavored water that you like. This is smart water, and this is not smart water, and this is carbonated water. And, this is, and we can just choose all the different waters that taste different because we put flavorings in them. That wasn't how it worked back then. Their water tasted like water. So when he says, I want water from my hometown, he's not really saying this is any special water other than he's longing for something. His craving is not about the water. It's about his past. It's about that state of being that he was in at that time period. How many of you guys know that feeling? That restaurant, that this is the greatest restaurant in the world, even though their burgers were just like everyone else's burgers. I swear that In-N-Out burger was better than this In-N-Out burger because it was, it's about our temptation, our, our way, our longing, our, our, our remembrance. And so he says, if I could just have this water from the world. So some of his loyal men, now he's got 30 loyal men to him. How many of you guys can say you have 30 friends? Most of us cannot. Many of us in this room, you can say, I don't have any friends. There are many in this room that you can't even honestly say you have any friends that you'd be willing. These men are willing to go across enemy lines to get some water. Most, many of you in this room can't even say you have any friends. You have hundreds of people on Facebook that you're friends but with, but you don't have anyone in your life that you could actually say they would go through anything for you. Some of you don't even have friends that would go to the store that's right there <laughs> to get you some water. And it's, it's, it's sad. It's a, it goes to stay where our society is at its current time. 
we are not a society that is bonded together like we're supposed to be. And it's hard and it hurts. And many of you guys want friends, but you don't have anyone that you can be friends with. We can't trust each other. We can't. That's this is the way we, our society has worked its wealth in. Now, David, he's got three men that are out of the 30 that are so willing to say, I am, if my king, my friend, my, if he wants water from that well, well, I'm going to go get water from that well. I'm going to go through enemy lines because it's on the other side. And I'm going to go get some water for him. And they get back after fighting their way back. And what does David do? He grabs that water and he pours it on the ground. Now, I don't know about you, but if I read it with my American eyes, my first instinct is to say, well, that's rude. I mean, if I went and got some water at the market right here, and I brought it to you, and you turned around and poured it out on the ground, I'd be kind of upset. Wait, I just got that for you, and you're dumping it out? That would upset me. Probably upset many of you in this room. You're like, that's rude. But that's not what's going on here. David is turning this water into a poured out offering to God. Now, poured out offering is a type of offering in which you give liquid back to God. Like a tithe. Now, don't be giving us back your liquid in our tithe box. That's not what we're talking about. In Old Testament times, they made sacrifices. And they would sacrifice animals. They would sacrifice grains. They would sacrifice liquids. Even human sacrifice in a form of servitude, service. Such as the Levites were an entire group of people that were in service of the Lord. That was the tenth of Israel's people. That's what it represented. And so we have this, this sacrifice that they made. And they say, we're going to offer a, and, and each of the different sacrifices had different parts within that sacrifice. Like a, an animal offering, some of it you would eat together. You would cook up the animal and you'd give portion to God and then the rest you would eat as a fellowship offering. And some of it, you would just give all of it up in a whole burnt offering. Well, the liquid offerings were that way too. You have a liquid offering where you all partake in a drink and together as a sacrifice, like we do with the cup at Lord's Supper. It's a sacrifice. We're all fellowshipping together in a sacrifice. God's a type of poured out offering. And other types of poured out offerings, you would give it all to God and you would pour it out. Now David takes this water and he turns it over to God and says, I'm going to pour it out for him. I'm going to give it all to God. And so he turns this, he isn't being rude, he's, he's saying, because of their sacrifice, He said, it was already my favorite water. It was already, in my mind, the best water in the world anyways. 
Now, I'm going to take this water that was already in my mind the best, which has been made even greater because these men have sacrificed themselves to go get it. They have sacrificed their, their blood and their sweat and to go get this water. Now this water really is the best possible water that could ever be because of these great valiant men. And so he says, I'm going to give this water to God because the God who is the creator of all things, the God who had got David to this point, the God who had led him through, that had helped him slay the bears, that got him ready to, and got him, who helped him slay the lions, which had got him ready to slay Goliath, which had got him ready to lead a kingdom. That God is the best God. And so he says, the best God deserves the best water. The best that I can offer. The best thing that David could offer right there at that moment was this water. And so he takes this little water, and it's just water, and makes it great, makes it holy, makes it set apart for God. And as I think about this, I think about devotionally, I, I, I think about this passage, and I think, how often in our lives are we looking for that big sacrifice that we can make for God? Well, if I had $2 million, then I could really do something for God. If I had a million dollars, just a million dollars, I could really do something for God. If I had a better education, just a little bit more education than I could really tell people about Jesus. If I had just a little more education that I could really understand what's being said here and really just, just sacrifice my time to God. If I was a doctor, then I could really have the opportunity to give blood or to, to go on mission because I could go on that mission trip as a doctor, take his love with him. And those sacrifices are big sacrifices and we're grateful for those who have those sacrifices. But let me tell you the truth. God's not looking for your big sacrifice. He wants the water. He wants your heart. Isaiah says, that the God's, in a book of Isaiah says, says, I'm more interested in your heart than I am your sacrifice. Because the truth is, if you're not faithful with whatever your pocket money is now, you're not going to be faithful if you have a million dollars. If you're not faithful with your time now, it doesn't matter how much extra time you have. If you're not faithful with the education that you have now, because he has given you the experience to share with the gifting he has given you, it doesn't matter how much more education you have, you're not going to be faithful with it. If you're not willing to say, I don't know now, you're definitely not going to be willing to say, I don't know when you actually have an education. Because I tell you what, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. I've been studying the Bible for a long time. I've actually gone to school, which many of you have not gone to school for the Bible. You went to school for other things. I went to school for the Bible. And the more I study the Bible, the realize I know that I have to say I don't know quite a bit. 
So the more education isn't going to get you there. It's about being open with the little offerings of our life. The little steps. Taking the little moments and turning that into something holy. Because we give it to God. We give Him our best. And we give Him our best. So for some of you, that means I need to give my time to God. You think, well, what's my next steps, right? What am I going to do next? Some of you say, I need to give my time to God. Some of you need to give your life to God in the first place. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. He needs to become the ruler of your life. But some of you, it's like, I know he's God, but I'm not giving him the best of my time. If I read the Bible at all, which statistics shows that many of you are not. But if you read the Bible at all, some of you are not giving him your best time. Because you're like trying to follow a pattern. Well, I have to do it when I first wake up. Who says? Some of you, let me tell you what. Some of you, the best time in your life where you can give to God is not first thing in the morning because it's the earliest. Because you haven't had your coffee. You're not hearing him. You're just getting that checklist off so you can move on your day. That is not the best time you can give to God. He wants your heart. The best time, for some of you, the best time you can give to God is you take a little time at lunch, right? Because you're awake, you're moving. You're done. For some of you, it's in the evening because that's where you're. Some of you, it's the middle of the night because that's the person you are. You're up all night you, and that's when you're most awake and that's when you have the best. That's okay too because he's not interested in a time of day. He's interested in your heart. And so we give our best time to God. Some of you, you say, well, I need to give my, the best of my finances to Him. Some of you, you know, it's not the first of your finances, it's the end of your finances. I'm not talking about just giving to the church. I'm talking about the way you live your life. We say, give my priorities. We, we used to have this saying, and many of you still, it would still apply, if, I, if you want to see where someone's priority is at, take a look at their checkbook. Of course, that's changed for a, a newer generation. For some of you, if you want to see where your priority is at, take a look at your scroll through feed on your social medias. Because you say, well, if all I see is this kind of... Well, that's because you've been looking at it. They're going to give you what you're looking at. And so maybe giving the best to God means I need to focus on better things when I'm scrolling through my social media. Because he's not looking for those big sacrifices. Those big sacrifices will come or they won't. But he's looking for the small, little, everyday giving to God. He wants the water. That water was the greatest gift that God could receive from David. And it was just water. So I think, instead of looking for those big, huge things, maybe we need to be looking for the little things that we can give to God. We can turn over those times when we have 
doom scrolling. We can be honest with him and say, I have negative thoughts. You know, it's okay. God knows you have negative thoughts. It's okay to turn those over to him. We focus on sacrifices that we make it into God. Maybe there's that thing that you've been saying, the church needs, you know, I'm so funny. All, so many of you guys come to me and say, the church needs to do this. You know what, God, I completely agree. You're the part of the church too. The reason that God's laid that on your heart is probably because you're supposed to be doing it. God wants living water flowing through us. For some of you, you've gone stagnant. You stopped giving your best. You let the water in your life go stagnant. You know what stagnant water is? It's not moving water. And, where does, and what does stagnant water do? Well, it's where mosquitoes lay their eggs. It's where disease gets, it's where you get all, all, those, all those diseases, if you ever played Oregon Trail, all of it came from, all those diseases came from stagnant water. Dysentery, all of it comes from stagnant water. Water that was sitting still. And when we let our lives become stagnant in God, we too become diseased. God is constantly calling us to grow, to move, to have that everlasting love flow out of us. And some of you become stagnant. And he says that if we have him living through us and we're giving those sacrifices, he's going to bring living water flowing out of us. And that living water is not just going to be for our sake, it's going to flow through you to bring life to people around you. And that's what we're wanting. And it comes from making those little things. It comes from every step, that step-by-step little things that we turn to God. Because He wants our heart. Not the grand gestures. Well, I gave my house to God. That's fantastic. I'm glad you did. But that's not what He, he wants. Your life to God. How are the people living inside the house? Are they God's? I fought for us to have prayer in schools. That's fantastic. Maybe. How about you? Are you praying? How about you? Are you taking, teaching your children to pray? That's what he wants. It's the little things. He wants the water. Given up to God, it makes it holy. Father God, right now I praise you today, Lord. I thank you for this wonderful blessing of just your gift, your word, your wonderfulness. Lord, I pray that you just bless us and keep us as we worship you. I'm so thankful for you. Lord God, I pray that you would move in us as we worship together, as we give our lives up to you. Help us to, to give the little things up to you that you may make them holy. Lord, I pray that 
we may give up our, our attitudes towards you, that we may give up our, 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 our thoughts towards you, that we, we may remember, God, that you are God and we are just us. And Lord, we put you first in our life. Lord, we're thankful for those who sacrifice for us. Lord, I pray for some in this room that need friendship. Lord, I pray that you would bring friends into each other's lives. That we may be the people that people want to have as friends. Lord, we thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go to a time of invitation, which is a time we 